Okay, so we're in chapter four of Deuteronomy, verse 41. And here the Torah tells us that Moshe separated three of the cities on the side of the Jordan towards the sunrise, meaning on the east side of the Jordan. And what did he separate these for? He separated these as cities where a person who had uh, mistakenly, by accident, killed another person, that person would, would have to go into exile into one of these refuge cities, Are Miklat. And there was going to be three of such cities on the east side of the Jordan, where the two and a half tribes had settled, and there were going to be another three on the other side. And we discussed an earlier partial that this seems like an unequal ratio, but that's the way it was. And Moshe divided or separated, he has designated the three cities that would be on the east side of the Jordan. Now Rashi points out, even though those refugee cities on the other three, on the, on the east side of the Jordan, they would not become active um, until the other three cities were were established on the other side of the Jordan. In other words, it was a package deal. All six cities had to be established as refugee cities or refuge cities in order for any of them to become refuge cities. In other words, that when the person goes there, he's he's safe from the goel adam, from the relative who's trying to avenge the death of his relative. So on the one hand, you would say, well, what would be the point of Moshe designating these cities when they're not going to go into effect as such until 14 years later when um, when they'll be established? Well, I'm not sure exactly when, but, but uh, it would be a while uh, until those cities would be established. So why did he do it? Rashi tells us, Omar Moshe, Moshe says, Mitzvah A mitzvah that I'm capable of doing, let me do it. This is this from the Gemara tract in Makot. And it's a very important lesson, which is even if I can't finish the job, or even if what I'm doing is not going to be um, effective immediately, but if there's something good that can be done, do it. And this shows the, the uh, humility of Moshe, his desire to do a mitzvah, his desire to be involved in something related to the land of Israel, that even though what he's doing is not going to have an immediate effect, it's going to take a while for it to take effect, he wants to grab that opportunity to do the mitzvah. And of course, the lesson for us is quite clear. So verse 44 uh, tells us about what, what are the purpose of, of these cities. Verse 43 tells us where which cities they were. And in verse 44, we have a verse that we say every time we lift up the Torah, at the end of a Torah reading, it's customary, we lift up the Torah, it's called Hagba, which means to lift up, raise high. And we show the Torah to the congregation, and we, we say, the congregation says, This is the Torah that Moshe placed before the Jewish people. We have more, but this is the, the beginning of that, of that um, passage that is read when the Torah is lifted up. And as Rashi tells us, what does it refer to? In this case, it refers to what he's about to say. 
going to go to the next page. So as I mentioned yesterday, we have a, a lot of, of verses in this Parsha that we see in the, in the, um, in the liturgy and davening, as well as um, we'll, we'll see, I don't know if we'll see today, maybe tomorrow, we'll see the Shema. The Shema Yisrael is in this week's Parsha. So a lot of very uh, recognizable verses in this Parsha. So now we're in chapter 5, verse 1. Moshe calls to all of Israel, and he says to them, listen, here again, we have this word, listen, to the Chukim Mishpatim, the statutes and the ordinances. God, verse 2, God uh, makes this covenant with you, and in Choreb, which is Sinai, and Moshe says, this is not with your forefathers, Rashi explains, not only with your forefathers did God make this covenant, but with you as well, Kitano Anachnu, all of us who are here today, God spoke to you, the Jewish people, directly. Rashi says, Rabbi Brachya taught that Moshe says that just that the that um, you know when you have a middleman or a middle person, to be more politically correct, when you have a middle person between you, a buyer and a seller, you don't really know what's going on. From the seller side or from the buyer side, they don't really know, they don't have the full picture because there's a middleman. However, in my case, Moshe says, don't look at me like a middleman because you yourself got to hear God directly as we talked yesterday. Bruce brought up that very important point. Verse 5, I stood between you and God at that time to relate to you the word of God because you were afraid of the fire and you did not go up the mountain. And now he's about to 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 restate the ten commandments. We're going to get back to this. What he says here in verse five that the Jewish people were afraid, as we know from when we learned the ten commandments the first time in Parshas Yisro. God said the first two commandments, and afterwards the Jewish people each time the soul of the Jewish people departed because it was so overwhelming, and for the next one their souls came back. And after this, this happening twice, the Jewish people said, okay, this is a little bit too much. And we'd like you to convey to us the word of God. So in other words, Moshe's credentials were established with the first two commandments. And then once that, that, that occurred, the Jewish people said, okay, we can hear from you um, what God is saying. Now, it's interesting. If you look at the first two commandments, they're spoken in, in the first person from God's perspective. So it says, I am the Lord your God. I took you out of Egypt. That's what it says in verse 6 in the first of the Ten Commandments. Verse 7, don't have any gods before me. Right? It doesn't say don't have the, you know, God is the Lord who took you out of Egypt. It says, I am the Lord. Don't have before me. Um, and that continues into verse 8 and verse 9. Um, I am the Lord your God in verse 9. Um, once we get, so those are the first two commandments, the positive and the negative. I am the Lord your God is the positive and the negative, the second commandment, don't serve idols. Once we get to the third commandment in verse 11, do not take the name of the Lord your God, suddenly it changes. Now it's, God's not speaking anymore. He's not saying don't take my name in vain as you had in the first two commandments. It suddenly shifts to speaking as if somebody else is speaking and telling you about God. And that's consistent with what the Midrash tells us 
that it was only the first two commandments that the Jewish people heard directly from God. And another thing that we see in this restating of the Ten Commandments, that this is in Moshe's words, right? So there are uh, several differences between them. And Rashi points out one of them, which is in verse 12, Shamor et Yom HaShabbat. You shall keep the Shabbos day, Lakacho, to sanctify it, as the Lord commanded you. So Rashi points out, Ubarishonot, in the first statement of the Ten Commandments, back in Jethro and Exodus, it says, Zachor. Instead of Shamor, it says Zachor. What's the difference? Shamor means keep, observe, watch. Zachor means remember. So which did God say? Did God say Shamor or did he say Zachor? The answer is, both words were stated in one statement. And in one word, they were stated, and with one hearing they were heard. This is something obviously impossible for us to even imagine, where you have one, one word, two words that are stated simultaneously, and the Jewish people were able to hear both. Shamor and Zachor. Now, what do Shamor and Zachor mean? Shamor is the, uh, well, let's start with the first one, Zachor, which is back in Exodus, means to so remember that refers to the positive actions that we take on Shabbat to remember it, to commemorate it, to celebrate it. So what does that mean? It means to say, they say the Kiddush, for example, to uh, honor the day, recite the Kiddush. Shamor, keep it, observe it, watch it. That refers to the negative side of it, which is not, not to do not to do work. Zachor v'shamor Both sides of this, you need both sides. And maybe the inner messages, you need both sides, the positive and the negative, uh, in order to really experience Shabbat. If you just have the Kiddush on a Friday night meal, you know, that's nice. But if you're missing the shamor of uh, re refraining from the activities, the non-Shabbat activities that interrupt, they create interference in the, uh, in the signal of getting the Shabbat signal, then you don't have the full Shabbat. On the other hand, if you only have the negative, you're, you're observing all of the do-nots, but you don't have the celebration of Shabbat, clearly also not getting the full picture of Shabbat. You need to have both sides of it. Another interesting thing in verse 12, you see, as the Lord your God commanded you. Now, when did the Lord God command the Shabbat? Wasn't it then at, at the Ten Commandments? No. Rashi tells us that God had already told them about Shabbat in the place called Marah. That's what Rashi tells us, quoting from the Gemara in Talmud in Shabbat. So this is something also unique, by the way, which you have in the second um, restatement of the commandments. It does not say this in Jethro, you know, as God commanded you. Um, again, in this, in this restatement, Moshe is, as the whole book of Deuteronomy, Moshe is repeating everything that happened. So you're getting a little bit of, uh, of commentary from Moshe in this statement of the commandments as God the Lord commanded you. Um, again, in verse 16, it talks of, it comes to the commandment of honor your father and mother. And here again, it says, as the Lord your God commanded you. And Rashi tells us this too, this commandment of honor the Lord, honor your, your father and mother, this was also commanded to them already in Mara after they came out of Egypt. So they learned already the laws of Shabbat, and they had already learned the laws of, of um, or the mitzvah of Shabbat. They learned the mitzvah of Shabbat, and they learned the mitzvah of honoring your father and mother. They learned that in 
Mara before they received the Torah. So that's why it says, as God the Lord commanded you, because they'd already been commanded about it. Um, it's pretty well known, but I'll repeat it anyway, that another difference between... Um, I'm sorry, we'll keep going. Verse 17, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, and do not bear false witness. Just point out that there's two ways to read the Ten Commandments. One is in public and one is in private. So the way we're reading it now is, I would consider that in private. We don't have dominion. We're not reading from the Torah. So if you look at verse 17, it is a um, pretty long verse. And it's got one, two, three, four out of the Ten Commandments are in this verse. The way, there's the other way of reading, of breaking up the words, is that this verse 17, for example, would be broken into four different verses. So you'd have really short verses. And if you can see here on the Hebrew side, there's a samach after Lotir Tzach. That means that in the Torah, there's a break after Lotir Tzach, do not murder. That's a verse unto itself. It's a commandment. Each commandment gets its own verse when it is read in public. And the reason for that is because when we read in public, we're re-experiencing the, the, um, the event. And at the event, it is very clearly 10 commandments. And that's why we break it up into, into different verses. Um, whereas when we're studying, lear learning it on our own or studying it, that's, it's, it's not necessarily re-experiencing it in that same sense, but rather studying it um, as, a as a matter of study. Verse 18, this is why also when we read it in the, in the synagogue, we, we stand up. We stand up for these when, when the Ten Commandments are read again because we're re-experiencing it. And obviously, it's something you stand up for. Let me go to the next page and go for one more Rashi that is very, very interesting. And this is now in chapter 5, verse 19. The Torah says, after, after re repeating the Ten Commandments, Moshe says, the Lord spoke these words to your entire assembly at the mountain with a great voice which did not cease. In Hebrew, kol gadol v'lo yasat, a great voice that did not cease. So the, the question here that Rashi is going to address is, what does this word yasaf mean? So here he translates it, did not cease. So coming from the word sof, sof means the end. So Rashi, however, is going to give two interpretations. First, he says, pasak. So he cites the Targum, the Onkelos, the Aramaic translation, says that it did not cease, lo pasak. So that's how they translate it here. Why? God's voice is strong and exists forever. And there's a very beautiful idea there that even though the event at Sinai was a one-time event, but it put something into us, it put something into the world, something that doesn't cease. There's a voice that continues to, to reveal God's word in the world. But then Rashi gives a second interpretation. He says, Lo yasaf, lo yasaf can also mean to add, to increase. Like the word Yosef, the name Yosef, Rachel gave her, her first son Yosef saying, God should add for me another child, and she has Benjamin. So Lo Yasaf can also be interpreted in the opposite way, not, the, not from the word sof, which means end, to cease, but actually the opposite, to continue. The Lo Yasaf, it did not continue. Lo Hosif Laharot 
What does that mean? That this type of event where God reveals himself in public, which we talked about yesterday, is unique in history. And only the Jewish people uh, experience this. And no other people even has a story, a narrative of such a thing happening and living, by the way, as, as Bruce pointed out yesterday. I think there may be a narrative of, of, uh, of God revealing himself to a people and they all die. Well, that, you know, that, that's consistent with what we talked about yesterday. But not that that happened, but how, how such a story can, can evolve. But the idea of God speaking to an entire people and they live, this is unique in all of history. And Rashi says, that's what the verse is saying. The This never happened again, that God reveals himself in public. In other words, it's an unnatural thing for God to be revealed in public in this world. And therefore it happens because it has to happen to establish the, the Torah and, the, and the, um, the truth, people to believe that this is, this is real. It wasn't made up by Moses. However, um, after that, it doesn't happen again. And it, won't, it, won't, and it, will happen, it will happen again in the times of Mashiach. God will be revealed again once, once again to us. But in, in the regular times, the time of exile, etc., this is a one-time event where God is revealed in public. So we'll stop there and open it up to Q and C, questions and comments. Going once, going twice, sold. Okay, well, thank you, gentlemen. This has been another wonderful lesson. We had the Ten Commandments, which is big. And as we like to say, these are not the Ten Suggestions. <laughs> they are the Ten Commandments. And um, we're receiving them again this Shabbat. So go to Shul and hear it. You will hear the Ten Commandments coming straight from God at your synagogue. Have a great day. And we will see you tonight at the Fabrengen.